All right, so, Will, it's pretty serious, man. I uh, I can't remember a topic being requested this much that isn't around a launch of a device you know, or a device in general, specifically a smartphone or some physical product, but instead about an entire company. Uh, top U.S. tech companies begin to cut off vital Huawei supplies. You probably heard the news so many people have been hitting me up to uh, try to make sense of this, try to break it down. So I wanted to do a dedicated episode, comprehensive, as comprehensive as I can do, given the amount of information that's currently available, in order to, uh, like I said, try to try to make sense of what's going on. Because the consequences here are pretty significant of what has gone on. Of course, a few episodes ago, I mentioned this executive order that Trump put in place that, lo- that seemed like it was going to have some, some sort of an impact on Huawei specifically, with them being the target of it. But now it's just, it's just hit another pace completely. And that's because Google ha- has made a statement. Google is involved. And now it sounds like the way that, that Huawei interacts with Android via Google is going to be affected, impacted significantly. So there is some kind of a Google ban, Google Huawei relationship ban in place now effectively. And it comes as a consequence of Huawei being added to this list, this, uh, what do they call it, entity. They've been designated as an entity with which U.S. suppliers shall not do business with. And that, that includes software companies, hardware companies, all the various companies involved with how a smartphone comes to be. So, of course, in the early stages of this dispute, it was mostly centered around network equipment because Huawei is the single biggest supplier in the world of networking equipment, specifically around 5G, which is upcoming very shortly. And uh, the rollout the infrastructure for 5G has already started in many places using Huawei equipment. Uh, in the U.S., not so much. The first kind of ban took place on that type of equipment. And now it looks to be further reaching as this trade dispute between China and the U.S. continues. They seem to be uh, they seem to not be making any progress at all. And so as this continues, it's starting to have these weird impacts specifically for tech enthusiasts, but like the effect of it, even more wide reaching. So first thing to say here, the Google ban specifically does not completely rule out Android as an OS for a Huawei device. It still leaves open the open source Android option. So by Google removing the license from Huawei, what that, what that does is it makes the type of Android, the way that Huawei can ship Android different. Uh, without the support of Google or their apps, these are the things that come along with the official top tier Android license. So while Huawei tomorrow can still go out and manufacture a device running Android, they're just going to have to install 
the open source version, the trimmed down bare bones version of Android, which also for the record is typically not the latest version. But what, they, what that will not come with is the App Store, the Play Store, in Google's case, and the other Google apps that come along with the top tier license, like YouTube, Gmail, uh, Google Browser, Chrome, and so forth. So it's a trimmed down version. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate kind of development for this reason because the consequences of this specifically are that, well, uh, the, there's not going to be many people interested in, in this particular product in a next generation Huawei phone if it doesn't have the capacity, especially in the West, to run those particular applications. Now, in China's domestic market, that might not be such a big deal because the Google apps and so on are not such a big part of people's lives in those places. But in the West, where 50% of Huawei's shipments go to Europe and the U.S. and whatnot, Canada, places like this, it's just gonna it's just gonna hurt Huawei as an option compared to the other devices that are out there, especially at the premium price tier. Now, I know a lot of people have questions about their current Huawei devices, uh, P30 Pro. They've got some great devices out there in the marketplace, and a lot of you guys purchased those devices already. It sounds like as of today, Android is going to remain supported in the fashion that you currently have it on those devices. In fact, there was a tweet on the official Android Twitter handle suggesting that, there it is, for Huawei users, questions regarding our steps to comply with the recent U.S. government actions. We assure you, while we are complying with all U.S. government requirements, services like Google Play and security from Google Play Protect will continue functioning, keep functioning, on your existing Huawei device. So it seems that this issue this government requirement going forward is going to be relevant it's going to be relative to new products rather than previous ones but see the thing here is i sort of feel like the damage is kind of already done in the sense that if you went out in the west and spent a thousand dollars or something on a new P30 Pro, and you start to see stuff like this develop, you get scared. You're like, I don't know if this was a good investment. I don't know if I'm going to get updates for as long as I want to hold on to the device. And so if, if you recently bought one, your confidence might be shattered. And if you were thinking about getting one, now you might think twice, even though Android has come out and said, look, you'll be okay on the current series of the device. Now, Huawei's a huge company. As I mentioned before, they're the number one suppliers of 5G equipment in the world. In fact, there are some that are arguing that there's no other company capable of meeting the volume and the costs necessary for these 5G rollouts in other parts of the world. Uh, in the US, for example, the other option appears to be Ericsson, but apparently, you know, their stuff is not, not on the same level or at least not at the same cost that they're going to be able to, to fill orders and have this rollout take place as quickly as it might have if Huawei products were available. But because Huawei is so huge and such a key component in the Chinese economy, 
they claim to have been working in the background on their very own version uh, of the App Store. There's a Huawei App Store and maybe even their own OS on some level. We don't really know specifically. But they have stated in the past that they have done things, certain things to try to safeguard or protect themselves from this potential. As the trade dispute between China and the U.S. has been escalating, companies like Huawei have had to have these alternative plans in case it got to this point right here. Now, when it comes to Google services, if you, if you let, let, let's say, hypothetically, some next version of a Huawei phone comes out without Google services attached, without the Play Store, YouTube, Gmail, and whatnot, you will still be able to access those services via a web browser or alternative methods if you're willing to do the work, but at least out of the box via a web browser. It's not effectively blocking those apps, especially if you're in a geographic region where those apps aren't blocked, but basically anywhere but China. So if you buy some next version of Huawei phone of a Huawei phone without uh, Android's full support or full license, you can still pop onto youtube.com obviously via mobile browser. As I mentioned earlier, 50% of Huawei's units are being shipped outside of China. So this Android issue, if it's to affect customers' confidence in those other markets, and they could just say, you know, I don't want to take the risk. I'm just going to buy a Samsung phone on all of these upcoming devices. Then that could effectively, you know, it could effectively shrink. It could cut Huawei's units shipped in half. And as we've noted on this show in the past, Huawei's already moved into second spot. They're shipping a ton of units and they've seen by far the most significant increase in market share out of the big players. Moving ahead of Apple now into number two with a 50% year-over-year change on the latest figures. So they were the biggest mover in the space. Is that possibly why they've been targeted? It could be. Now, the Google piece of it is the one getting the most press because it just seems obvious like, well, Android is on your smartphone and if Google can't license the full out version of Android to Huawei, then in the places where Google is very important to people, you can't, people are just not gonna gravitate towards Huawei devices, but it goes deeper than that. The issues are bigger than that. And that's because Huawei relies on other US tech companies outside of the software realm exclusively. Huawei also relies on chip manufacturers and even, in some cases, the tools and the software necessary to design their own chips, where that comes from various U.S., possibly German firms as well. A lot of them have been, have been covered here. Now, Huawei has stated publicly that they have somewhere in the neighborhood of between six months to a year worth of the necessary components to even continue manufacturing smartphones. And this order, this uh, government action here, reaches way beyond Google. It, of course, also affects Intel, Qualcomm, Broadcom, and various other brands that are in the, in the chip design and manufacturing business. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, but wait, 
Huawei manufactures their own chips, their own silicon. And it's true, they do. They have the Kirin processor. But I've actually got an article here that details, identifies what's necessary for them to continue to manufacture those particular chips. And apparently, High Silicon, the company or the name, sorry, uh, of the of the chip manufacturer the, that's that's creating the Kirin chips, reportedly makes use of an advanced U.S. chip design tool from a company called Cadence Design Systems and Synopsys Inc. And an interruption in support from those companies could also crush Huawei's ability to continue making its own chips as a substitute for access to the other ones that are on the market from companies like Qualcomm. So you can tell already the complexity here, the depth to this situation, it reaches into just how complex these devices are, how many pieces of intellectual property for one and, and software, but also hardware, hardware support from all these various places, how important all those components are when it comes to getting your finished product in your pocket. <laughs> so because of this issue, companies like Qualcomm, Intel, and others have seen a reduction in their stock value today. And as soon as the news broke, the markets are worried, rightfully so, that they're going to lose one of their big customers here. One of their big potential customers in, in the form of Huawei. And when you think about Intel, you're like, wait, I don't understand. There's no Intel in my smartphone. There's Broadcom, by the way. Will's showing off the stock value. Broadcom down as well. You might be thinking, okay, there's no Intel in my smartphone. Well, what do you think powers the servers that Huawei uses on the back end? Intel chips, of course. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think powers all the design facilities and systems from a software perspective? Oh, Windows. That's right. Huawei probably buys Windows, obviously, on many of their systems. They sell laptops with Windows on it. What happens there? Again, Google has got all the attention here because the biggest part, or at least the most public-facing part of Huawei's business is in the smartphone segment. And it's the most obvious hit. That's going to happen here, but it goes deeper. Now, I think it's important to note at this moment right here, because I know people are getting irate. They're upset. They're like, geez, what did Trump do? What's happening here? It's important to note that China themselves, they, they've banned plenty of American products, right? Facebook, you're not on Facebook. They've got this uh, wall in place from an internet perspective. They're state-run media. It's a different... It's a different system in place. So even Google, as you know, having traveled to China, it works in a, in a different fashion when you're there. If you're traveling and roaming, it's okay. But on, like, on local equipment, you're not just booting up Google or YouTube to begin with. So it's, it's important to know it's a two-way street here. There's beef on both sides. Now, I know another question that a lot of people have based on my mentions on Twitter, is in relationship to Apple. 
Apple being another major player in the space, not directly connected to Android in, in the sense that it runs its very own OS, but manufactured exclusively in China via Foxconn. Well, I, sh I shouldn't say exclusively. I mean, just like the other products we're talking about here, there's many components from various places, but Foxconn, a major player in China, that's where Apple devices come from. Now, when this trade dispute stuff started to pop off, and I believe Tim Cook actually even referenced this, it had an immediate impact on domestic iPhone sales within China. Well, of course. What's going to happen if sentiment changes? And Apple being the face of American tech. Tim Cook representing American tech. So can China retaliate? Is there something that they can do to impact an American company like Apple? If Huawei is the target of Trump, let's say, because they sort of represent a major player in the Chinese economy and a technologically advanced one, a, a, a brand synonymous with the country, wouldn't Apple be that version the version of Huawei in North America? Could they be a target for retaliation, not just in terms of uh, softness in their ability to sell in China, but maybe in other ways from a supply chain perspective because their labor, for the most part, is sourced via China. Now, the difficulty here in how Apple is addressed is that Apple is an employer in China. When, a new, when, when, when the iPhone goes into production, it's, it's Chinese citizens that are manufacturing it. So any kind of reaction, any kind of punishment dished out from the Chinese government to Apple, for the record, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just, this is some of the speculation that I'm seeing on social media, is going to directly impact Chinese citizens in a way that this sort of flipped version of it coming via Trump won't necessarily impact or at least immediately impact American citizens. Of course it will, though, long term. Less selection means less competition. You know, a company that's got to be pretty excited about this, I'm sure they're not excited, but a company that benefits in a way from this situation is Samsung. Samsung, the other player in the premium Android smartphone space, South Korea allied, of course, with the West. No problem. They continue a business as usual, it seems, maybe with the exception of any components that they may sell to Huawei. It's amazing when you start digging into this, you realize how many shared clients there are. Everybody's buying from everyone. That's the beauty of a free and open marketplace, which appears to be under attack here. So eventually, in some way, we all suffer a little bit from this, from these restrictions and this lack of a free-flowing competitive ecosystem and landscape. Now, Apple sales were already in decline in China. All this news has got to impact it further. Absolutely, when it comes to sales within China specifically.
Now, I think it's also important to mention we have to talk about it because a lot of people are wondering, myself included, when all this news is coming out, like, what is the evidence against Huawei? Like, we just, it's almost like we got so used to hearing this news that we just assumed it was the case. Yes, yeah, spying, I don't know, back doors in the chips and, and, and so forth. There have been a few investigations into Huawei's equipment. And it's kind of arguable what the, the, what the evidence actually is, even after these investigations have taken place. Like, there are people on both sides that say, okay, that, that really doesn't show me very much. I don't buy it. And there are others that say, oh, that, you know, that little fragment right there, that little finding is enough evidence to me. But as far as the general public is concerned, we haven't seen anything yet that showcases what the capabilities or capacities of these particular backdoors are. And there are other governments and other places, like Germany, for example. I found this article here uh, from, what does it say here? German media. U.S. equipment apparently has backdoors, according to someone from Ger a German uh, media outlet. They dispute whether Europeans should follow Trump, calling for Germany and Europe as a whole to not blindly follow the United States in its clampdown against Huawei, ZTE, and other telecom equipment providers. According to German media report, after years of review, the British government, the German Federal Information Security Office, the European Commission and other institutions have not found any backdoor or loopholes in Huawei's equipment. However, in the equipment provided by an American company, Cisco, several loopholes, loopholes sorry, are often found. At least 10 cases since 2013, which is more in line with the so-called backdoor description. So there's disputes even on this. Who's got the backdoors? Who's doing the spying? Or is it, is it possible that this stuff is more complicated in general than maybe the people in charge of governing the situation are, are even capable of comprehending. Maybe we got rules and restrictions flying around being created by a bunch of individuals who may not know what they're looking at. It's quite possible. Now, this could have to do with the ongoing 5G wars. Because 5G seems to represent the state of the art, the, the futuristic communication platform. And... When this whole thing started, that was the target. It was Trump, the U.S., and some other allies stating that they weren't going to let Huawei run these networks, own these networks, roll out this equipment. And unlike in smartphones, here, Huawei is like the undisputed champ. Nobody even tries. 
like I said, apparently Erickson is uh, so- somewhere in the same territory, but nowhere near where Huawei is in terms of what they can deliver today for these network rollouts. And maybe this is more of a pause button, what's going on right now. Maybe Trump and and others, maybe maybe business leaders, who knows? Maybe someone is trying to slow this thing down and needs to change the public dialogue in order to do so for, for maybe some other players to catch up. I don't know. Why is it that Huawei is so far ahead in this particular department? What's going on there? Are they that much better? Oh, it's possible. It's quite possible that they're that much better as a consequence of competition, as a consequence of uh, all the things that could potentially make somebody better at something. But why is it there's no second player? Why is it that there's no real alternative from what I can understand, from what I've read, at least on the scale that they're on? And what other things could you potentially do to slow them down in order to either grant time to this potential competitor or create it? Well, this seems like a pretty good way of doing it. I'm not, I'm not trying to, there's no conspiracy theory here. I'm just, state, I'm just stating the facts. They're way ahead in this department. And this department specifically seems to be, I mean, it has drastic impacts on, on, on how we communicate in the future. Now, I should mention as well, for those that are, if, for, if, if, you're under, if you're really thinking doom and gloom on this, there will apparently be the potential in the future for individual manufacturers to apply for trade licenses through this new government stipulation to maintain Huawei as a client. And I guess they'll be evaluated individually on an individual manner so it's it's possible that google uh, intel qualcomm and whatnot broadcom whoever it is that does business with huawei as a client that they could get a license to do business the way they're doing business now to open things back up But here's the thing. I feel like the damage is done. Or at least a lot of it. Because for the average customer, tech enthusiast, a person who would be considering purchasing this particular phone, phone from Huawei, how are they going to forget all of this? Let's say it takes a month for Google to apply to do the to give the top tier fully licensed version of Android back to Huawei. Customer confidence is already shot. This is like uh, it's like the social media equivalent of trial by popular opinion of like uh, what do you call that, Will? When you when when pe- people have already considered you guilty. Guilty until proven otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a saying for that. Anyhow, it's almost like once it's out there, people are concerned enough to just, in order to be safe, to just assume 
the worst and backtrack from there. It's too much of an investment to take that risk. And what if your phone stops having support? What if you lose critical apps? Is that worth it? Like we're already in a marketplace where the differences between a top tier phone and the next competitor, it's already a sliver. I mean, we talk about it on a daily basis. Oh, here's the Galaxy S10. Here's the P30 Pro. Which one should you get? Man, this one's a little bit better over here. That one's a little bit. You introduce this fear into people. And the margin of difference between one choice or another choice is already close enough that it's enough to just push the other one over the top. And all the marketing and all the money that Huawei has spent getting their name out there into the West, we've seen it here in Canada because we're getting all the billboards and commercials because the product is not banned here. All of it could be swept away by Trump and a news story like this which puts that fear into the potential buyer, then maybe their device won't continue to be supported. Now, to be clear, Huawei came out and said, no, nah, we're going to support it no matter what happens. We're going to try to provide security updates. I mean, they're doing what they have to do. They're, they themselves are in some damage control mode. They got to put that out there. This Here's the thing, Will. No matter which way you want to slice it, this is an attack. It's a hit on competition. It's a, it's a hit. I truly believe that what Huawei has achieved in the short period of time that they've achieved it in smartphones has forced the other manufacturers to do better. It has forced the competitors to compete. Here's this new player gobbling up market share. Get your act together. Let's see what you got. Customers have been choosing Huawei up until this point. They've been putting features. We, uh, they put all these camera lenses. What are we seeing from everyone? We're seeing more cam- We're seeing camera lenses pop up from all these other manufacturers. They start dropping crazy camera lenses in there. So that's the effect of competition, having more people playing the game. You get outcomes you wouldn't have otherwise had. You get a stronger push, regardless of how they got there, regardless of what kind of support and manpower. The outcome is that you, as a, as a customer, you had more choice. And, and this is why people are mad. Because that's sort of, that's kind of the American way. Historically, free trade. I mean, even here in Canada, the free trade agreement. The idea that the best product wins, whatever it happens to be, that customers choose. Now, there's always going to be exceptions to that. But that premise that the person has the choices and it's up to them and they decide which product is best. You, the customer, decide which product is best. Now, as uh, grim as that all is, there could... You know, one more example on that, though. The Mate X versus the Galaxy Fold. Right, we talked about the Galaxy Fold here on the channel. I never got my hands on a Mate X. But here you can see two different implementations for a similar concept. Two different takes. Who wins? The customer. 
You get to see which is the better implementation. They get to push one another. Does Samsung attempt it if they don't know Huawei's working on it or vice versa? Apple's nowhere to be found in this department. What, regardless if you like this device or not, I'm using it as an example of a potential futuristic device being pushed forward through competition. That's how it works. That's what happens. But anyhow, there is a potentially less gloomy outlook. But I don't know how many people are going to buy this one, but it is something worth considering. We, in a technology world, have been incredibly reliant on just a handful of brands for a long time. In fact, many buyers in the U.S., for example, North America, have mostly considered one of two smartphone brands and have mostly considered one of two smartphone platforms. Prior to that in PCs, very similar. Windows, Mac, that's what you get. It's possible that this development, maybe unintentionally, maybe even through ignorance, could result in more innovation in that department specifically. Because if I'm Huawei right now, and I'm sitting here looking like, man, I'm being pushed around, whether it's by Trump, the U.S., or Google. I'm at the whim of these entities because of how much control they have individually. Google specifically. I mean, you, you think about it. Our data, our, our digital existence belongs to who? Google, Apple, Amazon. I mean, it's a handful. It's really not distributed. And there are inherently risk factors in that being the case. And so you wonder if this type of development could be a motivating factor in companies like Huawei, maybe Samsung, maybe others, maybe even an American company saying, you know, here's another operating system alternative. We had them in the past. You had Palm, you had BlackBerry. There were choices. But what happens sometimes in this same free marketplace that I'm talking about that delivers these solutions is that some companies can get really powerful. Some companies can get so powerful that they that the game changes that people are competing within or comp other companies are competing within. I said all these very positive things about what happens when you have competition. Competition, though, with an absolute winner, with a limited number of players, well, competition goes away, doesn't it? To a certain degree. People, people want to come on these videos and be, you know, I, I love iPhone. I want Android to fail. That's, that's ridiculous. That's insane. You want there to be one platform in the world. Then what reason does that particular company, let's say Apple, have to change anything, to do anything? You just got to buy their next thing. You're locked in. No, we need players. There, there are, this is one of those areas where certain regulation actually has benefit talking about antitrust law and so forth. Microsoft has been hit with it, others. 
So it's not a thing of like all one way or all the other. It can fly in either direction. Competition is great until the game is over and then it's just straight dominance. So maybe an unintended consequence here could be that we see some new platform emerge. It's going to be tough though, Will. It's going to take time. Here's the thing. If this sits, if this stays, these restrictions, the consequence for Huawei, it goes far beyond Android, as I stated earlier. And what that means is not just going back to the drawing board, potentially from an operating system or an app store perspective, but also going back to the drawing board from a chip design perspective. As I stated earlier, these interworkings, they're so connected. From the design, the software to design, the machinery involved, all the interdependencies that exist. And if Huawei has to do that all from scratch without any potential interactivity with American brands or allied brands, you know, there's talk of potentially Germany, certain chip suppliers from Germany following suit. Japan with the display tech has also made a statement that they're going to have to reevaluate what they send to Huawei. If they have to operate completely independently of all of these players that contribute some little thing, that means they have to develop those components from the ground up. This could take years in a marketplace where nobody has years. I've never seen anything like this. This is, a, this is one of the craziest things I've seen as long as I've been doing this where a government has exercised this degree of force in straight into the tech segment in this kind of fashion with these kinds of restrictions. It really has the vibe of a sanction almost. And I think people are not overreacting at all. You know, I think that the response that I've gotten on social media is indicative of how significant this is and the potential long-term impact of the effect that this is going to have on the global smartphone, tech, 5G future. Jack just sent me a little update here. Here's the thing about this, okay? It's not just smartphones anymore. You know, this is getting increasingly dangerous. This is getting increasingly political. As I stated earlier, Huawei representing the flagship brand, representative of Chinese progress, rightfully so. And this type of a move here, almost being perceived as an attack on a people as much as an attack exclusively on a company. From a trade perspective, it looks like neither of the two sides want to budge. They're, they're bearing down on their particular positions. 
And the problem with that is that it only leads you one place, Will. You, re- you know this. When you, if you refuse to compromise at all, where do you get? Where do you go? You go towards combat. It only gets worse as both parties refuse to compromise. So I was watching a video this morning, actually, about state-run media, some, some, some broadcast changes that took place recently in state-run media where apparently China is broadcasting some, uh, what would you call it, uh, proud, some, some, some sort of national pride-style content in place of your typical content. And that's, I mean, that's how their media operates in China. If they want to show you Chinese war movies, they can do it. And they will, of course, use whatever tools necessary in order to uh, impact the public's perception of, of Chinese-U.S. relationships. N- not all that different from how American news media influences the public perception here in North America. So it's rough. It's unfortunate. And, I, and personally, I don't like it. These are the, two, the world's two global powers. And we have all benefited in some way th- through this, through, through the trade and the progress that's taken place collectively, globally, we've all benefited. And coming from the tech point of view, I mean, we just, this laptop, this is a Lenovo laptop. This, is a, this iPhone, Foxconn. You and I have visited these facilities. I mean, it's amazing work that goes on there. And it truly is a global collaboration tech. Tech is and will be a global collaboration. And if you attempt to cut out some party from that conversation, what do you expect the consequences to be? That's removing an entity from the cultural conversation. That's removing an entity from all future for economic improvement. That's that you're, you're isolating one particular group. You're removing them from the conversation. If you're removing them from the tech segment, you're removing them from the global, social, economic conversation. And that's not going to work out. That's not going to go well. So, these, my hope is that these parties involved can come together have a real communication and negotiation from that mindset, that collaboration and compromise is the only way forward. Because I believe it is. And I believe it's the only thing that's going to lead to the best possible outcome. The unfortunate part right now is it stings. It's going to sting. Like I was saying earlier, some of this damage is already done. Customers are a fickle bunch. I spent the last 
bunch of years talking to customers through Unbox Therapy. And the sentiment amongst users is wild. Like I said before, these, this marginal difference between how people make these choices and now this story, these stories are out there and they're all, already doing damage to the potential for compromise and collaboration. So it's, it's fine that both of these parties want the best for their individual nations. But it looks like it turns out the best for the world is probably compromise. All right, that's my take on it. I know that's a lot of information. I know it's a deep dive on one particular subject, but this is, uh, like I said, it's unprecedented as far as I can remember. And it's the most requested topic I've gotten in a long time that isn't relevant or relative to one specific device. So if you have any other questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lou later. But that's all I got for today on this topic. The Huawei situation, it's ongoing. It continues and expect updates as they come through.